This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GAA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have another great show lined up for you today. I'm delighted to be joined to review all the weekend's football action by Tomas O'Shea, Roy Curtis of the Sunday World and Michael Verney of the Irish Independent. And Roy, we'll start off, of course, with all the provincial football finals over the weekend. We had Dublin winning Leinster, Kerry winning Munster and Donegal winning Ulster, but... Unfortunately, all the games were fairly lopsided. We saw some good football in all three of them at times. But for you, what what was maybe the big storyline to take out of the weekend? Was any team particularly impressive for you? Well, the first thing I'd, I'd say, Will, is on days like yesterday, you, you sort of feel the wheezing old provincial championship should maybe be brought to a clinic in Switzerland and put out of their misery with a little dignity. I mean, if you're a legal team charged with making the counter-argument that they should live on, I think they'd be searching hard for scraps of evidence to support their case. The positives were there were 120,000 people, I suppose, at the four finals over the, the last week. Carlo and Farmana had some magical days, maybe. But there was a series of massacres, really, when you look at them. Um, the four finals were lost by 49 points. Dublin won the three games in Leinster by 60. Kerry played three games over the week at different age groups, uh, won by a combined total of 76. So the thing I take out of it is sport loses its capacity to thrill when the expectation that something life-affirming or unforgettable might unfold. Um, what we have now is a real sense of inevitability. I mean, I, I noted one thing yesterday that a double unleashing for a man would have paid uh, 1690 for a 10 euro double. To win the same amount on the dubs, a punter would have had to speculate €338,000. So we're at, the, we're at the situation now where we have to look at a potential other solution. I, I know Tomas has spoken about this before. Um, what do we do? Two conferences. But the thing that stood out to me more than any performance, although I really think Donegal are a team going places, the thing that stood out for me was the one-sided nature of the games. Yeah, we're bringing Tomas O'Shea now on the line. Tomas, I guess the, the worrying thing was, well, Dublin have been beating Division 4 teams and Division 3 teams. For Kerry, although it was a great achievement and they played some really good football in Porky Keeve, like they really pumped Cork and Clare, who were Division 2 teams mid-table, and Clare finished third in Division 2. So that shows just how big the gulf is, not even between Division 1 and 3 and 4, but even the top two divisions. <laughs> Yeah, look, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, there seems to be such a gap. And, and what's going to happen is eventually with the Munster Championship the way it was, there was a genuine sense that Cork could put up a showing. I don't think there was a, a belief that they would win. That maybe if they hung in there for a certain time and upset and everything went wrong for Kerry on the night, that they might have an outside chance. But the reality is, uh, you know, Munster and Leinster 
like Cork supporters came out in hope. You know, they had a f- people are not going to go to these games anymore. You know, eventually the the crowds will suffer. You're not going to get the same packed stadiums. The dubs now for a Leinster final four or five years ago would have been packed. It's not packed now. It's going to get worse. Um, and I do really think the provincial uh, system has to be looked at. Uh, there is an argument out there, you know, and that that the pr- provinces won't allow. The provincials to be to be scrapped, and I think I actually believe that there's so much power within the provinces themselves, and it is it is it comes down to money at the at the end of the day, and if they have the power, that they will never be scrapped. I do think that the GA is open probably to two um, two kind of. Uh, seen teams going at each other in, in two different ways I think but I, I still think it might be a bit off you know I think they'll see how the Super 8s go and I think uh, what will happen here is the stronger are going to get stronger and the weaker there'll be nothing for them there but the weaker teams and the weaker um, counties will have to buy into this in a way like that the hurling counties are buying into it you know and there is an option of, of like this weekend now hopefully I'm going to put together what I, 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 what I would do you know and what I would do is I'd scrap the, the provincials but you're going to have to give a double kind of a I don't know, uh, you're going to have to give an option of scrapping the provincials and you're going to have to give another option. My preferred option would be to go with a league and then go based on the league results and based on the tables, create your two create your two 16s and off you go and have two coming up every year and two going down every year and give them that carrot um, to actually um, allow teams and the lower tiers to come up. And the Fermanas of this world, the Carlos of this world would no doubt be up in the top uh, competing for Sam this year and that's what you want you want more competitive stuff you don't want the stuff that Monaghan went down and hammered the lard out of out of um, um, uh, Watford at the weekend you want, Monaghan are probably going to go to Leitrim and do something similar at the weekend so look th- this is the downside of, of top teams playing lower teams the reality is for Kerry and for Kerry supporters or for anybody watching Kerry it was great to watch the, the, the lovely football they played it was great to watch the lovely football that Dublin always play but the reality is you're not going to get a competitive game out of them until uh, July, mid-July, you know, and the, the big thing now, and, and the Super 8s, and we said this at the start of the year, the first two games, Donegal, Dublin, Kerry, Galway, and these are teams you'll be expecting to meet at semi-final, yet they're going to be meeting each other at Super 8 level, which I think is brilliant, and it is great for the top teams, but equally so, you need something for the lower tiers, and imagine if you had this system, and I, I don't buy into this thing, oh, it's a B thing, and it's all that, that's promotion, you have to treat them with respect, you have to give them the, 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 I suppose the podium or the level they should be playing in Crow Park with the seniors they, or with the, with, the, with the top teams and, the, and the, there should be no difference as such they should be, have everything lined up and, and treat them with respect treat them with the, 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 what they deserve you know they're putting the same effort as the Kerrys and the Galways and the, and the Donegals so you know look I, I, I think my problem with the GA in general is change anything change is, is, is massive and it takes such an effort and such a Sean Kelly the most progressive uh, president in my mind and the amount of work he had to do to get Crow Park opened um, you know it's the two-third majority inside in Congress the whole thing are just I hate talking about it to be honest with you because everything in the GA to change is so slow you know but look Kerry, Dublin all the teams can't do anything about the way it is at the moment we can't kind of be giving out about it it is what it is and we have to get on with it but um, you know Kerry, Dublin farcical at the weekend really and I said at the start of the year that the Leinster Championship was a joke it is a joke the Munster Championship is a joke uh, we thought that Cork might put up some battle but they didn't and the reality is like you have a team of Cork like all these stats 43 kicks at goal Kerry had Cork at 15 like I don't know it, it's it's 
it's brilliant and you know if Cork actually won the next game they'd have the dubs coming down the dubs would love to come down and you'd have a big thing but I don't think you'd have the same hunger from, from a Cork crowd they'd obviously love to come to see the dubs and they probably would get a, a bigger crowd just because the dubs are coming but I think that Cork lost something yesterday in making a connection with the public. There's a buzz in Cork about GA at the moment. And I think it was just deflated. This inconsistency again has crept in. And just Cork did not show up in any regard. And it was most disappointing for them. Like They're better than that. But this is the point. When, the big, when it's needed most, they seem to crumble. Yeah, Michael, it was interesting at the first... 10 minutes, it looked like football was back. You know, Cork were driving at Kerry, scoring two goals. Kerry were going down the other end, and we were like, oh, when two teams play open, attacking football, what a sport this is. And then about 15 minutes later, we were like, Jesus, this is an absolute farce. Yeah, it was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, they just they started re- exactly how you would want them to start. They wanted to hit the ground running straight away. 2-1 within 10 or 15 minutes, and then three points thereafter. It's it's a bit kind of hard to believe, actually, when you put the when you put it down on paper. I think Tomas said they hadn't scored score for 56 minutes from play or something like that, or didn't kick a point. Even their two goals were, were palmed efforts as well, so they weren't kicks even as well. <laughs> but... Uh, on the other on the other side, Kerry were brilliant in fairness. Um, as Tomas said last night, their physique they look to be in peak physical condition. That forward line is so exciting, and I think one of the most kind of pleasing things over the weekend is when you put particularly Dublin, Donegal, and Kerry together, and when they potentially meet each other, like they're not going to be it's not going to be twelve points to one thirteen or like that. They're teams that absolutely go at it and have brilliant attacks. And Donegal are averaging two eighteen, two nineteen in Ulster as well, and Kerry are averaging like ridiculous tallies as well. The Dubs obviously, you know, you're one twenty five, one twenty six most games as well. That's what you, that's the only really thing positive thing you can take from the weekend that you have this to come, but it's very late for it to be starting as tomorrow said in mid July. The scary thing about it, lads, is if you look at the dubs, if you break it down, you look at the dubs and you look at Kerry, there's a lot of sloppiness in both performances. Somebody told me I, I get stats off of it there and he was saying thirty two times I apparently thirty six times Kerry turned over Cork, which is supposed to be an astronomical number. Thirty two times Cork turned over Kerry. Now, when I say turnover, either Kerry gave the ball away or Kerry kicked it short or Cork dispossessed them. So, with all that messing by Kerry, with all the messing that the Dubs did in the first half, Kerry could have rattled up possibly 6.30 last night. And I, 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 that sounds like a ridiculous score, but they could have. They rattled up crossbar a couple of times. There was another ball that went left of, of, of goal. Like It was just phenomenal. The game was over after 20 minutes and you're there saying after the two goals that went in, what's going on here? Do you know... Um, look, there's a buzz in Kerry at the moment. I just like the injection of pace, the injection of directness, the the, the way they're pushing up, the tackling, the discipline in it, the not fouling. Jeez, Carr couldn't even kick over it. They couldn't kick because they didn't have time to kick because they were closed down so often. And when they tried to run it, jeez, they were battered. They were literally battered. Kerry, they make contact with one body. But then if you watch it, like there was a second guy in nearly straight away. They're obviously being coached really, really well. I, I think it's coming from this basketball side of it, to be honest with you. Once they make contact with one, the second body is in quick enough. So when your man actually turns back, there's a second guy there. And look, it's 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 coming from, I suppose, last year Kerry played a sweeper against uh, Mayo and it backfired. It backfired us astonishingly. And Kerry people were so a riled after that we had these young fellas coming through and this is the tribe that we were throwing out. But to be fair to Fitzmaurice, he stuck with the youngsters throughout the league. They were man on man. That the, that full back line was just Mark Collins and um, Mark Collins and Luke Conley inside, and you had Jason Foley inside, and who else was inside? Was it Ty Morley? I think was inside. The two lads were inside marking them, 
and there was no sweeper. There was nothing. They just they backed themselves around the middle of the field. And if a ball went in, which it will do, and they, that back line will be tested. And that's what I'm looking forward to, the Galway game. And, you know, I suppose Dublin are the, are the same. You know, there's a couple of players that wouldn't have been happy with. There's a couple of players in the Kerry team that wouldn't have been happy with their performances. You know, Michael Burns probably uh, undershot the runway a bit. James, I don't know, is playing well, but not at, at all level. But having said that, the amount of fellas. Gavin White was electric. You know, himself, I imagine McCaffrey, like, the speed out of both of them. Like, everybody already is just wanting, wanting for a game of football between the Dubs and Kerry. It'd be epic. Yeah. I'd love if there were, you know, it, it would. But it's a long, long way off and nobody knows the twists and turns. And there will be twists and turns. It's not going to go, it's not going to go one way for the Dubs and one way for Kerry all the way through. It's not as if these two teams are going to make it. Don't you all will have a say. Um, we don't know what's going to come out of the, of the qualifiers. You know, somebody could, there will always be a bolter out of the blue that will cause an upset. Uh, but at the moment, it's hard to see past Donegal, Kerry and uh, Dublin and possibly Galway the way they're playing. Yeah, Roy, there's obviously a lot to be played. We haven't even gotten to the Super 8s, but it does feel like this Dublin team and this Kerry team are on a bit of a collision course. And it reminds me of maybe a long time ago now, 1975, when Mick O'Dwyer brought in all these young players. And while Dublin appeared to be, you know, going really well, Kerry kind of stunned them at the, in that year. It's set up so nicely and it'd be a really good test for Dublin, wouldn't it? Well, I think there's a huge parallel with 75. Then we were told that Kerry team was too young. It would need a couple of years. Dublin had won in 74 and it looked like they were going to have a couple of years at the top. Kerry came up utterly fearless and changed the narrative immediately. I think what's really thrilling about this, we were talking a year or two ago about the death of football. Now we're looking at the main teams, Dublin, Kerry, the way Donegal have re-emerged and reshaped themselves under Declan Boner. I mean, they're football's twin treasures, Dublin and Kerry. You have Donegal adding in to this aesthetically to watch it, the scores, as Michael was saying. In full flow, these teams are absolutely mesmerising, poetic. I mean, they're beautiful to watch. If you look at Brian Fenton on the ball, he's on his way to becoming the greatest midfielder ever to play the game, in my view. Almost every time he pulls on his shirt, it's a maestro's clinic. I mean, he's no longer competing with his peers. He's competing with the like of Jack O'Shea already. And the guy is only 24, 25. You look at Paul Geaney. You look at Kieran Kilkenny. Kilkenny could fill an aircraft hangar with his Man of the Match awards. Every time he steps into the Coliseum, waves of authority. You look at Donegal what McBrearty, what Murphy can do, what Owen Bond Gallagher did yesterday. These guys are guys you'd pay to watch. And while we're talking about how disappointing the provincial championships have been, I think these Super 8s could be really thrilling. We have on Sunday fortnight or Saturday fortnight, when Kerry play Galway, when Dublin play Donegal, these could be games that set the summer alight in the same way the hurling round robin has. So while we've been disappointed with what's gone so far, I think there's really huge potential ahead. Yeah, Michael, people have been talking a lot about Donegal after the big totals they put in Ulster. I guess they didn't have to play Tyrone or Monaghan, so it's hard to know exactly where they are. But from what you saw again yesterday, some of the players that Roy listed there, you know, Ombong got her breaking from deep. You know, you had Ryan McHugh with that smashing goal. How good do you think they are this year? Uh, I think they're pretty good, yeah. I think like there's been probably the emergence of a lot of new fellas. They were probably very uh, unlucky in the league, realistically. They were one of the most consistent teams throughout the league, but it was a point or two either way in a lot of games. They easily could have stayed up. They easily could end up uh, third or fourth in Division 1. Like Michael Langan was centre-forward yesterday. He was just carrying ball, bursting through. Owen Bond was flying from cornerback. Paddy McGrath looks completely re revitalised the cornerback as well. Frank uh, McLean as well. Frank McLean, like, and like, they're all trying to get forward as much as... As possible, and like a lot of the talk kind of beforehand was how are they going to break down the kind of the Fermanagh's kind of mass defence? They pushed up on pushed up on their kickouts. Fermanagh 
it was a 50-50 ball which you didn't want from every kick out Donegal were winning a lot of the breaks maybe after the first after the first 10 or 15 minutes they started picking up a lot of breaks and they were just going forward in droves and I think probably the most pleasing aspect from them is McBrearty kicked a point and went off w- with a bit of a knock Murphy was relatively quiet kicked a point or fisted a point as well and they still put up you know 218 there's a, the emergence of a lot of new fellas and I think in fairness to Rory Gallagher when he was there a lot of those, those guys did come true under him and obviously Declan Bonner would have had a lot, lot of them with the under 21s over the last couple of years as well so there's a lot of continuity there I think kind of Carol Lacey seems to have had a, a big impact there as well by all accounts he seems to be very full on in his kind of role as coach but uh, it, they're very very easy on the eye going forward definitely and they can kick points from everywhere Paul Brennan and all these guys there's a lot of uh, there's an awful lot of uh, positive things to look I forward think, to from I them I think Michael Declan Bonner deserves a huge amount of credit he took a big risk he decided to completely philosophically alter the way Donegal played. There was criticism in the league that they were too open and too exposed. But I thought there were 20 minutes in the league game in Crow Park in February where Donegal had Dublin on the back foot in a way I have seen no other team have Dublin on the back foot in the last three or four years. Paddy McBrearty was running amok. A vampiric thirst for the a jugular, he said at the time. The jugular, yes, well, well remembered. <laughs> but... I think you saw then the potential they have. And, I mean, Kieran Thompson yesterday got three points from play. Ryan McHugh is a guy who gets more miles to the gallon, I think, than any, any footballer in the country. He's ceaseless, and he delivers end product. He scored seven or eight goals for Donegal, and yesterday was the outstanding goal of the summer so far. I mean, Fermanagh stifled Monaghan, suffocated Monaghan, but Donegal were able to find a way. When you have players who can kick points from distance, which is what Dublin have, what Kerry have, what Donegal have, and I think what Galway have with Shane Walsh, with, with Comer played in the right role, you're going to see shootouts rather than tactical battles, I think, in July and August. Yeah, and Tomas, just, just on yesterday's Ulster final, I, I, someone said to me yesterday that Malky O'Rourke must have watched that with a bottle of whiskey just seeing Fermanagh and just thinking how on earth did Monaghan fail to get over the line against a team where you saw Donegal when they pushed up on them, they made life very difficult for them. Uh, well, look, Monaghan, Monaghan uh, playing shockingly bad nearly fell over the line, you know, and, and Fermanagh didn't win that game. Monaghan lost that game in my eyes, you know, Fermanagh didn't score for such a long period of that second half. Look, I think what's happening here is everybody w- w- was playing a defensive system and I understand totally why how the Carlos of this world and Fermanagh's of this world and it'll bring you so far. It'll get you out of your league. It'll get you uh, maybe the odd big win over a team. But the reality is you're going nowhere long term unless you have a, a unless you can knock on the scoreboard. And I'm afraid that's where Carlo and Fermanagh will have to go back to the drawing board and they have a foundation there of good defence, but they need to be able to score. They need a plan better than what they're doing because what's happening is teams are learning how to how to defend against their counter-running. Teams are, are, are as the, the leashes beat Carlos, as the, the Donegal's beat Fermanagh's, as the bigger teams winning, you'll find that teams outside the top table will also find ways to beat this mass defence. And what is happening, I think, is an actual um, revolution in terms of changing this defensive style. I'm not saying that every team can do what a Kerry do or every team can do what a, what a Dublin can do. They can't. But, they, like, the leash wouldn't have the firepower that Kerry have, yet they found a way around the defensive style of football. And no matter what anybody says, the Kerrys, the Donegals, the, the, like, Donegal, for example, yes, they've changed the way they're playing because they have players that can keep... Or McNeil, or McNeilish can actually open up a defence with a kick. It's unbelievable. They have skill. They can do it any way they want. They can run it if you want. They can kick it if you want. They have the inside players to knock over scores. They have it whatever way you want to play, they'll do it. I think that's what we have to see out of Kerry yet. Can Kerry face a, a defensive unit and beat them like the, the Donegal have, have shown, like uh, Dublin showed against, against um, Tyrone last year? Can 
they actually do that. Um, but for me, definitely, it, it is great to see. I think we're all talking about Donegal still have a defensive unit. There's no doubt about that. They're really able to defend it. They stifled Fermanagh at stages yesterday and Fermanagh could not break them down. But what they do is they actually have attacking like McGlynn, um, uh, McGrath coming up the field. Like They, they have players that own Bond is just a joy to watch. You know, the typical hard nut from, from Donegal, who also happens to have unbelievable skill, carrying ball-carrying skill, and able to kick a score as well. You know, 1-1 from a cornerback. Now, I know that he's not your typical cornerback, and everybody's a forward in this modern day. But you have Langan, Thompson. You know, these guys, they're, they've added, and they have actually bought the level up in terms of Murphy's. And the same with Kerry. Like, Paul Ganey is playing the football of his career. Paul Murphy is playing outstanding. Like, Kieran Kilkenny. They're, I think the young fellas... Uh, of Dublin, Kerry and Donegal are actually driving and pushing the older lads. Uh, David Moore was outstanding again for Kerry the last night. And, you know, it, it, it's it's actually, they're helping each other. You know, they're driving each other. I guarantee you that any of those managers will say this is player-driven. And that's what I think more so in the age that you have, the modern game, that's what's happening here. The players are driving everything on. And it, it's a joy to watch. But I mean, look, it's going to be interesting championship. I, I'm looking forward to the rest. This is where the championship starts for me in my eyes. You know, the, the provinces, I don't look forward to them as much. You know, a bit of crack above in, in, in Connacht, a bit of crack above in Ulster, but the rest of it, yes, stop. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. You see, it's a pity, like, it's a pity that, you know, you love to say, Christ, scrap the provinces, but it's not as simple as that. GA is not as simple as that. Jesus, it's complicated. Like, we try, tradition is our, 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 our key you know a tradition is what makes the ga brilliant but a tradition is also what's holding us back i think in ways like it's holding us back in terms of the the, the provincial uh the setup of our championship i do think that like you know and i compared it last night to the hurling and the hurling doesn't have provinces the hurling is a, a western side and an eastern side it just happens to be called munster and leinster and you have galway coming down you have the ulster lads coming down and that's what it is and you have two competitive enough and then they go into uh, the quarterfinals and play it off and, and what whatnot but football i think it'll take a few years but i think we'll go there i've no doubt at all at all that the football championship will go to uh, a two-tiered championship i think what will happen tomas i think people will see these super eights and see what they can provide and see what they can deliver there'll be trills and spills there'll be big games there'll be there'll be no massacres there might be the odd the odd slaughter but most games will be deeply competitive and it will open people's eyes to what's possible in the same way that i think the hurling this year has just mesmerized so many people and they realize now my God, why did we not go for this before? And I think... And the same could be applied with weaker teams. The same competitiveness, the same kind of like Waterford going out believing they have a chance to win, believing they have a chance to compete, believing they have a chance to get to a quarterfinal or a semi-final of whatever group they're in like. Isn't that what you want? Jeez, instead of, instead of what's happening there, 3.22, I know it was underage, but you had under 20 team from Kerry going down and hockeying uh, Waterford under 20s by 3.22 to a point. Who in the name of God is that helping? I, I, I like it is baffling, and and like I, I spoke to Sean Kelly about it, and Sean Kelly says they'll stop going to the games tomorrow. People will stop going to the games. Who in the name of God would want to go and watch that? I'd hate it. I was I was down watching the under 17s uh, play Clare, and it's not that you feel embarrassed or whatever, but it's it's you feel bad for the Clare lads. Geez, they're there inside in Park Creeve and, and you're trying to promote football and clear and you're trying, would you talk to a, a group of those young fellas after the game and explain, look, lads, we're doing, we're doing the right things here, doing the right things and getting bait by 15, 16, 17 points. Like, you know, you have to put teams playing 
teams of their own level. There, I don't understand at minor level how you would do it, but certainly at minor level, Kerry and Cork should be seated because they are by far the dominant counties in, in Munster. I don't know what the story is in Leinster at underage. I know Kildare are playing, playing Dublin this weekend, you know, and, and probably two of the stronger counties meeting each other in the final. But in Munster, it's, I don't know. And another problem I have, lads, is, is um, you have under 17 and you have an under 20 competition. Yet at club level, they all play minor and all play under 21. At hurling level, it's under 21 and minor. Mm. What? Oh my God, we're amateur in more ways than one. Like, it, 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 like, I don't know, it's mind-boggling at times. Like, and we seem to take it a tiny, tiny step at a time. Oh Jesus, yeah, we should we should look at that as well as we are looking at it on the other side. Do you know? It's oh, flip it. I don't know. <laughs> it actually addles me sometimes. Tomas, great stuff. Really appreciate you joining us. No bother, no bother. Good luck, lad. And then, Michael, just going back to the Dublin game, you know, I know they ended up winning by 18 points, but, uh, like, midway through that first half, people were, like, almost wetting themselves on social media with the prospect of a potential upset of the game. was pretty close in the first half, and Alicia appeared to be causing Dublin a lot of problems, and Dublin did look very ordinary during that period. Some very poor wides, a missed penalty, a number of missed goal chances, and Leash seemed to be getting a bit of, you know, traction, but it all changed very quickly, but a bit of hope maybe for the rest of the teams given the first 25 minutes or so uh, I don't know I, kind of what Tomas said I think there was interesting the, these teams are like the, the top teams are winning by huge margins but they're still like sloppy enough at times and making quite a number of mistakes but it's just weaker teams just can't capitalise on that really uh, the better teams will capitalise on it is it hope for others um, I, I don't know really like Dublin were at a canter through Leinster and didn't really have to raise a gallop I, I, I think like their training programme I'm sure is changed completely now it is a focus on the middle of July to the end of August, early September, and that's really when it starts. It's a six-week block from there. I wouldn't say. I I think like the real, the real in-house games, the real like fine tuning of certain little coaching points and kickouts and different strategies, things like that, will happen now. I don't think it has probably happened up until now. They've probably just been kind of topping up until now. But uh, hope. I don't know. There's not hope for any of the weaker counties, but I'm sure. Like the only thing I will say is like say like Kerry played had the four-four-four attacking the kickouts. There is an idea maybe that, that that they're giving away like some of their tactics maybe for later down the road but I'm sure between Jim Gavin and Fitzmaurice and, and Declan Bonner they have uh, plenty of other little tactical plans in their arsenal ready to go for the Super 8s and just on Dublin Roy I, I Alan Brogan's had a piece in yesterday's Sunday Independent where, as a sidebar, it outlined, I guess, the strength and depth. And what struck me was, I guess, that's been Dublin's probably biggest strength over the last couple of years. But the forward line in particular didn't seem as strong, maybe, off the benches in years previous. Like, two of the people listed, Dear McConnelly, he won't be playing this year. Bernard Brogan probably won't feature heavily given his knee injury. So that does rob them of a lot of that maybe attacking thrust off the bench. You're relying on maybe Colin Basquell, who's, who's a rookie, you know, Kevin McMenamin and O'Gara, who were into their 30s. Well, I suppose the, the one you haven't mentioned is Cormac Costello. I mean, yesterday he was like a Toreador called in to deliver the killing thrust to a, to a wounded bull. He, he won the All-Ireland for Dublin off the bench two years ago, scored three points in 10 minutes. He came on yesterday. He's incredibly accurate off both feet. He's had a succession of injuries. Um, the guy is not just a potential All-Star. This is a potential Footballer of the Year quality player. So I think he is the main guy off the bench. Um, Basquiel is rated hugely highly within the camp. Again, a guy who scores prolifically. He's actually faster than Colo Callaghan, according, according to the Dublin people. And I think the real worrying one, if you're looking at strength and depth, was to see Jack McCaffrey coming on yesterday. I mean, I, I said yesterday, if there was a speed going in Crow Park, he'd have 12 penalty points and be put off the road. I mean, the guy has Formula One torque. 
This guy had a cruise, did his cruciate nine months ago. It's I mean, actually it is, ridiculous. It's it actually is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he gets yeah. through. He gives Dublin a completely different dimension because he just bursts through the middle. He could have had two goals yesterday. He's magnificent to watch. I know he's a doctor, but I tell you, he should be a specialist in recovery because to have him there, I don't think there are issues with Dublin's depth. I think there are issues with Dublin's full back line. And... I think Johnny Small's red card is really unfortunate for him yesterday because I think potentially he made a move back to that line. Um, Leash won a lot of primary ball yesterday. Dublin, you'd know Keno Sullivan wasn't playing. That security blanket wasn't there. I think if there is any weakness in a sort of Dublin, if there is an Achilles heel, um, and it's only the slightest of heels, the fullback line has not been um, as efficient perhaps as in previous years. But I think Michael is right. Their, their focus is entirely on what's starting in three weeks' time. Dublin have been half-paced, um, and they are not the type of team who does complacency, but still they would have gone out there yesterday and known we're going to win the game. I remember 2002, Kieran Whelan's seventh season, he won his first Leinster, and Dublin celebrated like they won in All-Ireland. There was ecstasy. Yesterday, Johnny Cooper lifted the trophy, and he looked like someone who was cleaning the front windows. I think Kieran Kilkenny talked about uh, looking forward to going to, for a recovery session in the sea. Um, that's kind. That's kind of where they're at at the moment. But just on on the John Small sending off and what should have been a sending off probably for Johnny Cooper in the previous game as well. That will not be something like Gavin kind of said after that. He just thought it was you know uh, you know a mistimed tackle. He said or it whatever. was harsh. On yeah, the it definitely was not harsh because the free had been blown and he was on the ground and he followed through. He will not. He will not. They cannot afford. Cannot afford to lose someone in a big game like that. Like they were lucky last year that when Small got sent off, Donny Vaughan immediately followed him in the All-Ireland final. So that'll definitely be something that they'll be trying to cut out. Um, they can't, like, no team can really afford to be without anyone for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes in a big game. So I think that's something he will be looking at. Roy, we'll move on to the qualifier draw now. We've Kildare Mayo, Leitrim Monaghan, Cavan Tyrone and Armagh Clare with Cavan Tyrone and Kildare Mayo in a double header in Croke Park. And, uh, you know, Mayo never failed to deliver excitement. You know, midway through that uh, second half in Thurles, they were down by three. It looked like it could be the end of their season, potentially the end of this great run they've been on to get an All-Ireland title. But that kind of lucky goal just re-energised them and they finished with the way we know they can. They really drove home, I think 1-8 without reply or 1-8 to a point perhaps. Uh, I know you were tweeting towards the end that you thought their time was possibly up. But, you know, a stay of execution mate, for another week anyway. Look, summer would be an awful lot poorer without Mayo. I mean, there really is something epic, compelling about their journey. They're just, the refusal to bow... They're enormously resilient. I mean, Tip had them on the rack. Um, they got a fluke of a goal, but the point is they find a way to win. They've had eight, eight consecutive qualifier wins, and they've been on the ropes in almost all of them. I mean, they're the, you, I remember that famous Roberto Duran, no moss. So many times Mayo could have said, we've taken enough punches, we're not getting up off the stool. But they keep getting up, they keep coming out for more. At the, and that is hugely admirable. But I, I don't see them winning in All-Ireland. I... I the second quarter, they were incredibly exposed by Tip. They had gift wraps. They gift wrap scores for them. Seamus O'Shea, O'Shea has joined Tom Parsons on the sideline. The midfield options are diminishing. That's um, a killer. That is a killer now, really. Now, the, the longer things go on, they're missing the two guys that started the All-Ireland for them last year. Like, Keegan's probably going to go out to midfield, but that, that would be okay if you're playing alongside a seasoned midfielder who can field a 6 for 4 guy, but they don't have that now. Aidan O'Shea? Possibly, possibly, but uh, may, maybe so. But uh, maybe. surely it's a no-brainer. Like, what, I, I, where I think else? the critical issue there is their depth has been really tested. They're already so many miles on the clock, and now they're going to go into three intense games in four weeks. 
not being able to afford really any more injuries. Kildare this week, I'm saying they're going into those three games if they get through two more qualifiers. This is a huge opportunity for Kildare. They, this time last year, they looked like a team on the up. They brought huge crowd. There were 70,000 in, in Croker for the Leinster final last year. They went downhill, disastrous Leinster championship. They, got out of, they went up to Derry and won, showed serious character, got out of jail maybe against Longford. But this is a free shot for them. And Mayo, you keep wondering, if teams keep pushing them to the brink, how many times can they come back? It's enormously admirable. And I have to pay tribute to their supporters as well because they get on the journey with them. And in a lot of counties, when things are not going well, people turn on their team. They brought huge crowds to Limerick, huge crowd to Turles. And they really do bring a splash of colour and vibrancy um, to the summer. And for that, you want to see them going. But I really think that the... Uh, I, I'm not saying they're running on empty, but the fuel tank is certainly not full. But do you give Kildare much of a chance? I, I don't know. They did seem to struggle against Longford, but that, that is a tough place to go. No, it is. In fairness, Longford traditionally have had a good record in the qualifiers in Pierce Park. I, st- I still think Mayo will, will just have enough. And then you're facing into a final round qualifier against one of the provincial losing finalists, which could be what you're looking at. You're looking at Fermanagh, Roscommon, uh, Cork. 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 All four provincial finalists could go out. Yeah, that that's a realistic. Like I, I think they'll, I think they'll have enough at the weekend. Just, just about, and I think they'll have enough the following week. <laughs> it's funny. The longer it goes, then to get into the super eights, they just seem to to find a way. In fairness to them, and I know it was a lucky goal from James Durkin the other day, but at least it's it's a, a new kind of player. It's on the block, keen handy, kind of knocking around there as well. They're they're going to have to shift things around a bit, as we said at midfield, but. Uh, yeah, actually, you have to admire them. Yeah, it's it's amazing that they're just able to keep going. They they literally just refuse to bend, despite everything around them suggesting them that they should wilt. And interestingly, so Cavan played Tyrone, and on the Sunday game last night, they showed the footage from the end of the Cavan Down game, where there was a sim- a relatively similar melee to the one perhaps in an under twenty game a few weeks ago, where there was a lot of suspensions dished out. I know they were subsequently appealed and what have you. But would you expect Michael? them to go down a similar route in terms of dishing out punishments for this one and like suspending a lot of cabin players well Darry McVitie and Conor Minor are both going to be missing now by the looks of things I don't think it was as bad now being honest with you um, because the last maybe it was just the footage last they looked so bad because you could literally see boys jumping in off the jumping in over barriers to get in and everything I don't think it was as bad it was a strange one uh, Gerard McKiernan kicked the, the point to put them two up I think and time was just up and then he just kind of gestured to the lad that he was on, but it it had gotten it had gotten kind of heated before that. It was I thought it was it was they showed on the Sunday game last night. Kevin McKernan uh, remonstrating with the the linesman, and I was actually delighted to see that he got a black card fully deserved he had his finger like practically in his face mm. for about 30 seconds and said to him something about you want to be on the Sunday game tonight or something along these lines at least the, the referee had the without being smart he had the balls to, to follow through and with the black card before that but Cavan have been completely undermined now by the fact that two of their best players are going to be missing for well, the they next match they simultaneously won a match and lost yeah, a match yeah exactly, yeah, <laughs> they, exactly. they beat down and they've lost basically any chance of beating Tyrone in a game I think they would have had a real shot at coming through with a full team. They've lost two players and there could be further action. And the only winner in that brawl was Mickey Hart. And just to go, I know we, we didn't really talk too much about Cork at the start. You know, in terms of those black cards, there was there was a couple of very harsh ones. One of, one of my closest, one of my closest friends, um, if we're talking, in Cork, um, he's a former All-Ireland winner with Cork and he just, he sent me a couple of texts, absolutely vitriolic texts on <laughs> Saturday night 
disgusted, not by black cards, I have to say, but disgusted by Cork. He was talking about a team that's been sent out to train five times a week. He says the team needs training and character. He said there was a chance, Tomas mentioned it earlier, there was a chance to make a connection with our audience and they've lost the public. I mean, there is a real level. Sure, they're at home. They get two early goals. Kerry have six debutants, a young team. There's a buzz because of the hurlers. It's a beautiful night. You kick on, they collapsed. Now, the first, the first black card was significant, and it cost them their best player on the night. But you would have to say, where was the character? It was an embarrassment from Cork. I really don't know how they come back from it. I mean, if they now on the qualifiers get a Tyrone, get a Monaghan, get a Mayo, I don't know how that team lifts itself because they embarrassed themselves with their performance. Anyone can lose a game, but to be overwhelmed at home, and it looked to me watching the game as if, now Cork, the Cork players may argue vehemently against this, it's a shame they didn't show the same vehemence on the pitch, but there was no passion, there was no pride. Kerry walked all over them, and if I, if I was a Cork supporter, I would just be disgusted. Amazingly on that as well, when Luke Connolly kicked that point, and it was a brilliant point because mm. he dispossessed someone down along the sideline, then kicked an outrageous point. Like they had, they had, we'll say, all the inspiration that they needed and to get the, the crowd behind them, and then it was just, it just disappeared. I, I don't know. It's strange to say that you could start so well and have so many things going for you. And they talk about momentum. They had all the momentum, and... I'm trying Just to remember a big game where a team started as well as that and collapsed as much. Perhaps Mayo in 2004 against Kerry when Alan Dillon scored an early goal and Kieran McDonald kicked that lovely point and then Kerry... Dublin Donegal in 2014 yeah. when uh, Dermot Connolly and Paul Flynn were putting on a clinic from distance and then the first goal and Donegal just exposed the soft centre in Dublin. It's Dublin recovered from it the next season and haven't lost the championship match since... I doubt we'd be sitting here in four years wondering if Cork are going for their fourth All-Ireland in a row. Yeah, as we touched on it earlier, you know, the, the first kind of slate of Super 8 games, we know a couple of them. We have Kerry versus Galway, we have Dublin versus Donegal, and judging by these qualifier pairings, we're likely to have Mayo, Tyrone and Monaghan probably in the Super 8s, and it'll be very crucial to see the round four drawn in, Michael, because I guess it'll dictate who's in with who, and... You know, you could have a couple of big teams missing out in the semi-finals potentially. Yeah, no, you could indeed. Yeah, it's 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 going to be so interesting. But it, it is a shame, as we were saying earlier, that everything is going to be focused on this now. But in fairness, the uh, the advertisers and sponsors of the GA, like they'll be absolutely delighted. They're going to get some amount of airtime over the next like six or eight weeks with all these big games. And I know there's a lot of, I think, like all of them are going to be on TV, aren't they? And that was why there was such a uh, a dart of uh, provincial games on TV because it was so back-ended towards this now. But it's going to be interesting, yeah, and you're definitely going to have a team or two missing out. Uh, like, Monaghan could find it very hard. Their aim is probably to get to the last four, and they're probably going to be in a group where you've got, you're probably going to have two teams that are better than them or going better than them as well. So they're probably going to miss out as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. Just something I'd like to touch on, because Tomas has said it earlier on, and he said it last night as well, just about the, the hurling structures. Because, like, last, last weekend, like, nobody can say that... Kildare hurlers winning the Christie Ring didn't get a massive enjoyment out of that. Or it not, and not, and it's not because the, the competition is promoted unbelievably well. It's just because they're playing at a level that they, they're playing at a level with teams that are at the similar level to them as well. And that's the same for the three games over the weekend. And anyone that was in Crow Park would have been treated to, to three very good, really, really competitive games with the Donegal win the Nicky Rackard and Sligo having a, a late late show to beat Lancashire in the in the Laurie Mar. That's if you, if you, if as a county player, if you're in 
a squad and you know that you're going to be getting competitive games every week and you're not facing hockeyans every week, you will commit to that. And that's the challenge that they face with maybe redesigning a football championship. Well, it's interesting you say that because like some people play, playing, I have heard players interviewed say that they would prefer to train with the hope of beating Kildare in the Leinster Championship like Carlo did rather than compete and train for a, a championship like the Christy Ring, the football equivalent of a Christy Ring. Yeah, yeah. some, some players, listen, it, it, it does vary in fairness, but may, maybe we've probably talked about before as well that you could be in that, we'll say, in inverted commas, provincial structure at the start and then you have had your chance to have a, a crack off on the big teams. If it doesn't work out, then you slip back into a competition with teams of similar standards. I think that's the key, though, Michael. I think you have to have a chance at the big one. Um, I think every team's entitled to that. If you, I mean, the Ulster final was a desperately disappointing game yesterday, but the hordes of Fermanagh people there. Oh, it was and great. The potential, it was unreal up there, yeah. The potential for that Foster. moment of joy. Yeah. Arlene Foster, mm. who um, who could be playing cornerback on the Fermanagh ladies team <laughs> by this time next year. But Fermanagh, a team in 130 years, haven't won a provincial title. And there was that opportunity. I don't believe Carlo would have got as much joy in a B championship type scenario, had they been excluded from the possibility of what happened to them this year and how it galvanised the county and how it genuinely brings a joy to people's lives. And it is life-affirming for people in the summer. And I don't think we should underestimate that. And I think it's interesting that most of the people calling for the championship to be structured are people who have played at the top level for the better counties and don't realise... I was in... Um, Connacht in 1994, the day Declan Darcy uh, lifted a, the Connacht Trophy for, for Leitrim. And there were, you know, the cliche, grown men crying. There were grown men, grown women crying. And it was a hugely emotional day. And that's what, this thing is part of the fabric of who we are. And having that shot at glory. But it's the point now that that was 1994. It, you know? it is, it is entirely. And I, I have no issue at all with there being a graded competition, so long as the counties initially, as Michael says, yeah. get a shot at the provincial championship or whatever that base start out championship is. Once you get your shot, if you're if you're good enough and you can cause the upset, then you're getting you're getting your chance at it. And then, but then, it, like if you're, if you're shelling a fifteen point defeat, yeah, it's only fair that you go back. What did you make of Tomas's point earlier? And I actually have heard it mentioned that the provincial councils have the power that they were never never going to vote for their own execution. You know, they just they, why would they? Money, money, money in a rich man's world. <laughs> That's all I'd say on that. Yeah, I mean, we 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 sometimes underestimate um, things that the provincial championships do offer. And I I accept entirely that people are... There was a few friends of mine who would go to every Dublin game, didn't bother going yesterday, and they're already planning the Super 8 trip. They're hoping that Cork can win their, their qualifier. And there'll be 25,000 Dublin people will go down to Cork because there is the prospect of something. But 120,000 people attended the four provincial finals. I mean, Leinster, who are... The European champions, the Pro 14 champions, the best club side in the world, were struggling at times in some of their uh, in some of the league games to get thirteen or fourteen thousand people there. So, this is still has a certain grip on people. There was a huge leash crowd there yesterday. Um, so, we can sometimes be hasty in saying, as I said, let's put these provincial championships out of their misery. But I think when we see how the Super Eights work suddenly the provincial and what happened, we'll be able to look back and said, well, Carlo had a day there, Fermanagh got to a final, and we'll take the good out of it for smaller counties, perhaps. 
Just before I let you go, lads, quick predictions for the qualifiers with Kildare Mayo, Leitrim Monaghan, Cavan Tyrone and Armagh, Claire Michael. Just a quick one on, on Leitrim actually, because Leitrim had six lads leave the panel, I think, last week or the week before last, and they kicked 25 points in Carrigan Channel. They were losing at half time, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's, two, it's, it's two points down yeah, at half time. It's nuts now, yeah, in fairness. And it's great to, it's great that they get a run. Like, they've won very few qualifier games. Like, uh, yeah. I think they beat, what, Waterford once, I think? Yeah, that was like, it. which was great. Like, and that was a great day for them. They're, they were going to come up against it. Um, You'd, you'd have to fancy Monaghan I'd fancy Monaghan Kildare uh, Tyrone and I forget the fourth game Kildare Mayo oh okay, Mayo will be winning that yeah right um, I think Monaghan Tyrone and I'm Armagh and I just have a sneaking suspicion Kildare Mayo extra time shootout and Kildare kicking a winner with 14 seconds to go. Well, it'll sure be dramatic anyway. Michael Roy, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, well. Cheers. That's all we have time for this week on The Throw-In. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another podcast to review all the GAA action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.